Greetings. You have entered Lorenlu's cave. Deep in the ground, the universal unconscious lies waiting to expose its secrets. The cave has, from the inception of humankind, enticed, mesmerized. It has been protective shelter, spiritual temple, keeper of sacred images, rituals, and lastly, burial chamber. becomes more and more circumscribed, and we are constrained to a greater degree by situations and circumstances beyond our control. I see my task as providing insight into psychic energies within self that are beyond the bonds of society, that free one from the mold society moves us in. Ultimately, it's about power, how to become cognizant of the power and energy one can marshal to achieve sovereignty. A story. When Lorraine was six years old, her father was diagnosed with tuberculosis and was sent to live in a sanatorium. His wife, Lorraine's stepmother, filed for divorce. Her two older brothers went to live with an aunt. She was placed in a convent boarding school. In one afternoon, placed in a cab with cousin Luc the priest, she forever lost her home and family as the taxi made its way to the hospice Marcotte. She believed that eventually her father would get better, and the family would be reunited. She lived for that day. After the passage of three years, her father came to visit one afternoon. He was drunk. What's more, it seemed he had been out of the sanatorium for several years. She would never get out. This was to be her prison with the nuns. She would grow old and ugly like they were. She would get up every day when told, go to bed when told. She would become a stranger to the world, a visitor. She could not bear it, a living death. On a Sunday night when a film was to be shown, the girls were lined to go down to the theater. As they walked past a clothing storage room, she slipped in. And once all were gone, she ran to the stairs, down four flights to the door, to freedom. It was pouring that night. Not a thought had been given to what she would do, where she would go. She brought nothing with her save the clothes on her back. Lorraine grabbed the bar of the institutional metal door, pushed it down and out, Raindrops danced furiously on the concrete exitway as she stepped out into the dark. What becomes of a child who's had such experiences? It placed her outside of society's covenant. She had a dream in which there were many Marcotte hospices, 
like gas stations planted along one's path. Yes, institutions were doling out energy to its participants. You cannot survive without me is the institution's motto. I am your safe place. But we do not want your life outside the safe place intruding. And you are only safe as long as you obey. Society itself is an institution that compartmentalizes individuals to make use of those aspects that feed the institution. What Lorraine feared most had run to avoid had already occurred. She had become a stranger to the world, a visitor. Because the world is made up of institutions which she abhorred, knew its soul-crushing methods and preferred to make her own way, the price one pays for freedom is to stand aside and look on at the subjugation of almost every individual one encounters, at what today one labels NPCs, nuns dedicated to order and obedience. She could not be part of society on more than a superficial level. The rules, inanities, the absurd, the reasonable, the cliques, were beyond her to endure. She simply could not. Being part of a community in which the parents are the dispassionate authorities, not one's biological parents, is to understand power dynamics at a young age. One rules or one follows. Then again, one can willingly choose to follow to hide oneself behind a mask of compliance, thus leeching back some of one's power. But the price is horrendous. One lives a shadow life of poses and disguises, on probation from the human race. Society is ruthless. It degrades, humiliates, and it ostracizes, all for the purpose of manipulating one to do its bidding. You will be blessed with its good housekeeping seal of approval if you follow along, a cog to the machinery which hides behind the scaffold of society. To look dispassionately at the society humans have created is to be horrified at its true wickedness. The system has been set up to enslave its beneficiaries, to manipulate its power into a fist of brute force, where people are maimed, starved, poisoned, enslaved, and assassinated, all the while believing and working to manifest society's fabricated tale. To grasp such a picture causes one to pull away. No, this is not really me. I'm a good person. Well, maybe one has to do things. Then again, there is the door. It has your name on it. Scary, scary. There is another dimension, another world entirely. Another way of experiencing life that is not at all what you've been told. If you start looking closely at the rules, that is the real rules, you might start to see the pattern of how it all works. Then you put aside, you disengage. 
Refuse to stuff yourself in one of its boxes, regardless of its safe space. You choose your own path. Freedom. Lorraine Lou undertook a journey to the heart of society. It is recounted in the recently published book Manhattan Cirrus, available on Amazon, in which she finds her quest for freedom repeatedly tested by the city's siren song. The following is a glance at what the book contains. A Cirrus is one who sees, one who knows. It's not something one talks about. In the talking, one reduces this awareness to the questioner's ability to grasp something foreign to them. It becomes trivialized. For the past few centuries, humankind has turned its back on non-rational ways of perceiving. There are many names attached to this area of human experience. Shamanic, psychic, mystical, intuitive, spiritual, religious superstitious. This other way of perceiving is at odds with the rational world and is rightly seen as a threat. Science rules our present era. Any opposition to the rational is quickly dismissed, condescended, ridiculed, attacked. Yet it is here, a part of every human being's experiences. We have no true words for these unexplained happenings. A seeress is someone who uses that way of perceiving the world as her guiding force. She is aware of many separate worlds she navigates in, aware of forces in the universe with rules that must be obeyed in order to survive, protect oneself, live a rich, meaningful life. Lorraine is not alone with this gift. There are others. When encountered, there is that flash of recognition. Yes, he or she is also aware. The word psychic is one that Lorraine detests, but it's the only way she can make herself understood by most. Her gift is easily lost. The everyday life overwhelms. The everyday life has its comforts, its known fears. One is soothed, caressed, fed, loved. One is ill, broke, fired, attacked, despised. One will die. Seeing is about pulling that mask off and truly being there at that moment. It's that part of self that one understands as ancient, has always been, will always be, the one who knows you, the totality of you. From the start, Lorraine looked for a seat at the table. She wanted to partake of the feast and add her voice to the conversation. So she came to New York with an open heart, hoping to find her way. On the surface, the journey was a typical New York City story of a grad student living in poverty on the Lower East Side, looking to find time to write. She had tested the seriousness of her intent to speak her mind and enter the conversation by going on a vision quest before coming to the city. It starts with a camping trip through the home state of Maine. 
After a week alone, without the comforts of home, her program life begins to deteriorate. La Reine becomes more connected to the earth, sunrise, sunset, time to get up, time to turn in. On an old logging road, she senses a presence. Is it the sorcerer? It occurs to her that her life is filled with thoughts from morning till night because life is too fearful otherwise, without boundaries, chaotic. Lorraine's plan is to find an appropriate place to go on the vision quest. She spends four days and nights alone in the woods fasting. And what is New York to such a person moving to the city? It is affirmation, the truth swept out from under the rug. New York is ugly, vulgar, filthy. It is a tart in a too short skirt looking for a good time. It is the streets and avenues she's read about, the violence, the architecture, the art, the beautiful people, the best of the best and the lowliest of the low. It is terrifying and desirable. She has arrived at the banquet table. Its inhabitants don't doubt for a moment what is commonly known as psychic phenomena. How else can one survive and even thrive there? Midway through her MFA in creative writing at Sarah Lawrence College and out of money, she looks through the help-wanted ads in the Village Voice and comes upon this. Psychic wanted, set your own hours, work as little or as much as you want in the privacy of your home, giving readings over the telephone. Psychic networks, 1-800. Thus begins her career as a Manhattan seeress. It was not something she sought out. Like the trickster coyote, she stumbled in inadvertently. It was only going to be a summer job. The psychic networks provide her with incalculable training as she spends evening counseling client after client for hours on end. From the beginning, she loves the work, and at some point, the parts meld. She is no longer a writer and a separately a spiritual person. Her ear is tapping into the heart of America, its passions, fears, obsessions, its poetry and mystery. It's stories. What is the rationale for this book? It is about power and spirituality. Lorraine is not a guru with a product to sell or directions on how to attain nirvana. She will not take you to the Himalayas or Machu Picchu to connect with the ancients. That is a journey taken alone. But she will point out some signposts along the way. How one becomes a seeress is what she chooses to explore in this memoir. She has specifically selected stories to illustrate, from the sublime to the practical, a spiritual journey introduced in each chapter by an atout, the Tarot's major archetypes, from the fool, the first of the atouts, to the last and twenty-second atout, the world, the human journey with its risk and folly unfolds. 
The development of a series becomes a hodgepodge of stories about power and the lesson one collects or formulates about rules, attentions, listening to the untold story, tapping into other worlds, other ways of being. It's about commitment. There is also an artist here, alive to the new world, seeking inspiration among artists on the Lower East Side, learning the ways and foods of her Chinese neighbors, falling in love. Thanks for listening. You're welcome to visit my website, loveinlu.com, where you can leave feedback in the journal page. And as previously stated, you may find my book, Manhattan Cirrus, on Amazon.